God is inside you and all around you. I've been on this planet for 31 years and there's nothing here for me. And they were saying to the person I was with that they felt the last final ingredient would be for the vehicles to be dead. Not in a mansion of wood and stone. When doing a Wiccan ritual, one feels in connection with something very, very old and connected to the earth. And those things that we find deeply moving and beautiful, the moon, the sunsets, those parts of nature that we don't understand that give us a sense of mystery and awe. Split a piece of wood and God is there. Lay down your life with dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony. There's nothing to death, it's like Max said, it's just stepping over into another plane. Don't, don't be this way. Stop this hysterics. This is not the way for people who are socialists or communists to die. Lift a stone and you will find God. Hey everyone, thank you for joining me on the Heretic Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Kay. My dear friend Jenny is here with us today. We connected four years ago at a Chester Bennington Memorial in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, not too long after his death. Jenny is also the one who put me in touch with Stephanie from episode two. We're just going to make this uh, introduction short, short and sweet. With that said, I'll hand Jenny to the floor. Hi, Jenny. It's a pleasure, as always, to talk to you. Uh, why don't you tell your listeners a little bit about yourself? Thank you. <laughs> So nice to see your face. Yes. <laughs> um, well, hi, everybody. I am Jenny. Um, uh, I am here to have fun. Um, I'm not really that much of an interesting person. So, um, I mean, I've- and I'm not really that fun. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we're together. We're that's fun true. together. That's, that's- <laughs> we're Lincoln Park soldiers. We're always fun. Oh yeah, that's that, that's that's the core of me. So she just explained it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's a wrap, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm just I'm here to share my story and um, just talk a little bit about paranormal and creepy stuff and yeah. All right. So do you want to um, start with the story of your grandmother and then we'll kind of carry on from there? Sure. Okay. Uh, so my grandmother on my mom's side uh, passed when I was five years old. Um, I only have like one real memory of her. Um, and I mean, I know I went to Christmases and stuff, but the one that stands out is just, you know, we got to her house and she's at the end of the hallway. So excited to see me. You know, and that's pretty much it. Um, but after she passed, yeah, it took it kind of difficult, you know, because she was a special person to me. And um, but anyway, it's a couple months after that. Um, I had a nightmare, I suppose, and I woke up crying. My mom came in to check on me, and I was upset because my uh, I said my grandma was talking to me in my deaf ear. And at the time, we didn't know. And I, you know, of course, didn't know any different. But we didn't know that I was half deaf. Um, we had no idea. Never been tested or anything. And 
Uh, so, you know, they kind of played a couple games with me where, you know, my, one of my parents would whisper something in my left ear and I, you know, just be like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> and got tested and found out, sure enough, I'm half deaf. Wow. So that was definitely like her coming back to kind of tell you that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's insane. So did you tell your parents about like the dream? Yeah, um, I don't really remember much about it. I remember waking up. I remember being upset. Um, my sister and I had bunk beds at the time, so I can remember the room and everything. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't really recall the dream itself. Um, but I mean, it's not something that I could have made up. I mean, my whole life, I've, I was born that way. Like I, um, they found out that uh, what happened was my mom had to take some kind of medication to stop me from being born too soon. And that caused my ear to stop developing basically. So I don't have like an eardrum or anything in that side. So, Oh, so it's not there at all. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I have an ear, but I, I don't have any mechanisms. I mean, I see the ears, but <laughs> I just don't have any mechanisms in it. And, you know, so I wouldn't, unless somebody would have told me, I never would have found out. Because I just don't know any different, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, and and I'm not really a big believer in angels. I mean, I believe in spirits, but it's that's kind of like one of the things for me is like it, it's almost like I can't fully not believe in angels because of that. You know, like I, if it's something about it, just doesn't make me believe that she came to me in spirit form. It makes me think there was some other way she came to me. And so it's, that's one of the things I've kind of always been a little perplexed about, you know, cause I'm always very adamant, like spirits are the thing. Like that's how people who moved on have, can communicate and things like that. I never refer to them as angels ever, but it's just that one incident I have a hard time not believing she was an angel. Uh, so when you say you don't believe in angels, do you believe in like the archangels or the yeah, the archangels at all? Or is that kind of just kind of out of your spiritual territory? Yeah, because I mean, I feel like that is all like, because I don't believe in in god in the traditional sense like i don't believe in it the way organized religion speaks of it i believe that there is a higher power but i feel like believing that there is like a heaven not that i don't believe in afterlife because i do but to believe in heaven would mean that i believe in god in the way that like the christian church preaches it and that it doesn't compute with me like i don't know it's one of the things I'm still sort of figuring out, I guess. Yeah. And that makes sense. I think it took me a long time to uh, separate the whole Christian theology uh, with heaven and alternative spirituality, I guess, uh, alternative faiths as I call them. So I know that in like my line of faith, which I'm still currently trying to figure out too, but we call it the Summerland, And this is where you're going to love this because we're going to get onto your favorite topic here. 
So in the Summerland, uh, you it is very much like a quote unquote heaven. Um, it's just more of a, I guess, more of a pagan based heaven. Hmm. And when you're there, your your uh, karma is balanced. And when your karma is balanced, you're given a choice on, okay, so let's say that I had some really god-awful karma in this life, which I'm sure I've had my fair share at this point. Uh, They're going to tell me like, hey, you know, your karma was really bad in this life. So do you want to go back and try to even it out so you can have a better afterlife? So it's not so much purgatory um, because... I, I haven't I haven't really looked into the whole Summerland thing too much. I just kind of read about it in, I believe it was a, a Cunningham book. Um, so I don't really know like what happens if you decide to have like crappy karma and to stay in the Summerland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do know that you're given like endless possibilities and endless chances to come back onto this earth or possibly multiple, multiple universes. Cause who knows what else is out there mm-hmm. to even out your balance. <clears throat> so you can have a better afterlife, but there's no hell. There is no, um, I guess like bad afterlife in that mm-hmm. whole theory. Interesting. Yeah. I had never heard of that. That's that makes sense. And yeah, so I can understand that there would be like an in-between. And, you know, of course, I I, just, I do believe there's some sort of higher power. Um, it's just, you know, I haven't found with that is yet. And, and I suppose like that's kind of the point why there's so many different ones, because nobody's really figured out what it is yet. Right. Yeah, I nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. That's what I always say. You know, there's really no, it's where you're comfortable at. Mm-hmm. So, um, believing in, I think that when you say that you believe in a higher power and that you believe in God and, but not in the Christian aspect of it, I think it's because Christianity has just been so popular mm-hmm. for so long. And it's been kind of <clears throat> the norm, you know, like your norm is not, uh, you know, on Sundays you go to the coven and then you come home and you bake cookies with grandma, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> that's not what we were raised on. We were raised on, you go to church and then you spend time with your family and you do this. And so we have this conception in our, in our brains where when we associate the word God with anything, it's Christianity automatically. Well, and actually, I went to a Catholic elementary school. Couldn't tell from looking at me, but (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) Um, And what's interesting is, um, you know, I went and, of course, we had religion class, went to church twice a week. Um, I had my first communion and I went until fifth grade. And then from sixth grade on, I was in public school. But my main issue, I mean, even like when when I was going to elementary school, there wasn't a part of me that was like, I feel this. Like, it was just like, 
I was being fed the information. I was reading the books. I was going to church and listening, singing, whatever. But it didn't. But I, I wasn't buying it. You know, mm-hmm. it was ever my thing. But at the time, you know, I didn't have a choice. I didn't know any different. That's what I was learning, and that was, you know, that was that. But then, you know, when I started going to public school and realizing that, oh, there's different aspects. There's different outlooks there's other beliefs and like i i didn't know anything about this before and that's really like when i started finding myself first of all but you know learning that not everybody is like the people that i met at my school either you know and they were all very you know clicky and somehow i wound up in the popular group but i wasn't a popular person i just kind of was in the group like I didn't talk much they <laughs> I just kind of fit in there I don't know it's weird <laughs> but yeah like and we ended up leaving because um one of my parents got involved with a very important person at the church um we're not gonna name anything you know but yeah and we had to leave so oh yeah. you'll have to tell me this that story off air oh, oh yeah it gets interesting I'll, I'll definitely tell you <laughs> oh I have some church stories too so and I, I won't do things either <laughs> the funny thing is though I wasn't raised on church we didn't ever go to church uh my mom went to catholic school I want to say her entire life and she actually wanted, she told me she wanted to be a nun at one point. Mm-hmm. And I asked her what changed her mind. And she said that she discovered boys. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm my mother's daughter. Um, <laughs> and uh, she was, a she was very devout for a long time. And there were a few situations um, down the road. Like, like I said, we weren't raised in church, so we didn't, my mom never, I don't know why exactly she kind of just stopped going after she married my dad, because I don't even know if my dad went to any churches. I know his dad was Catholic and I believe his mom was Catholic, but I, I'm very grateful for it though, because I believe that it gave me and my brothers like the freedom to discover other things. Like you said, I can't imagine being going to school, you know, at like a Christian school or a Catholic school at such a young age and then going into a public school. It, I'm sure it's like a culture shock in some ways. Yeah. And what kind of, I was actually just thinking about this earlier and I was like, oh man, she just screwed me. But like, so basically what happened was my mom had divorced my dad when I was nine. And, you know, was dating, so I was like in fourth grade. So she was like dating towards the end of my fourth grade year and announced that we were going to move to Oregon and, you know, told, you know, my teachers, like I wasn't supposed to be going to that school for fifth grade. So at the the last day of my fourth grade, you know, all my, um, you know, peers were like, oh, we're going to miss you. It's an emotional time. Like we all... You know, they all said goodbye to me. And then fifth grade comes around and there I am. And I was like, you know how embarrassing that was? 
Like, they probably all thought I made that up. Yeah. And then came back. And so my fifth grade year was totally different than any of my other years there socially. So, yeah, it was. But so but then sixth grade actually turned out to be. um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it, you know, because I make friends easily, as you can you know, probably guess. Um, so I met like a really good friend the very first day. We had several classes together. And then I, you know, created this like click of three, three of us, you know, we were friends throughout the entire middle school and actually turned out to be like my, my best school years besides high school, I guess it was kind of fun, but I was only there until junior year. So you're only in like a public high school for two years. Um, Yeah. And I actually, um, went and got my GED because I, I switched to um, online school because I discovered working and decided that I wanted to work instead of go to school. So I was trying to do school and then said, screw it. I don't have to do it like this. I'm just going to get my GED. So okay. I did that and continued working. <laughs> <laughs> At least you didn't just drop out for the hell of it. Right. You know, yeah. like <laughs> I was just I was just bored with the school and I mean, yeah, that was another thing. Like I, I've always been, Oh, you know, it actually, that makes me think of something that you guys were talking in the podcast about how, um, old souls Mm -hmm. realizing that, um, there's something more about you that you don't really understand when you're younger. Um, cause I was always more mature my age um, even like my mom had said before, like when I would get in trouble, she would be so shocked that I got in trouble, but then have to realize, well, if that's her age. Of course, she's going to get in trouble. You know, like that's always been the kind of person that I am. And I feel like because I'm an empath, like it's I've had such a deep understanding of things from a small age that, you know, it's made me grow up faster maybe sort of understand things differently and give me a different outlook on things. And most people, especially my, my family, none of them are um, very emotional people. None of them are um, like, we're not very close at all. Um, And my mom's a very different person. She's very negative. Um, like, I always used to refer to her as just, like, a cloud of negativity. Like, I actually, um, when I was living with her, had such bad anxiety because I was just around her. And when I moved from her was when it really, like, it almost disappeared. It didn't completely disappear, but it was nothing like it. So, um, so basically... As an empath, you were probably picking up on her negative vibrations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to back up for just a second because I think you're my first empath so far. I mean, aside from uh, Vicky and Mikey, but we didn't really touch on that a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so explain to me when you first kind of discovered that you were an empath. Mm-hmm. Um, that probably wasn't until... 
I'm going to say it wasn't even until like after my daughter was born. Um, so that would have been after, I'm going to say 2015-ish because um, looking real, back. So how, how old would you have been at that so time, do you think? 2015, um, I would have been 25. Okay. Um, so like I said, I've, I've always been kind of like, a quiet person when I was younger. Like I didn't talk much. I was always the listener. Like I always was the one involved in the conversations, but not in a speaking form. I was just, I was listening. I would, you know, offer an insight and then let people talk. And so then when I you know really got into music, um, I realized that like I really connected with it. But I didn't really think, I mean, I thought everybody did that. Um, you know, I never really talked about it with anybody. You know, I just expressed my love of music with people. And then around 2015 was actually when I had my first Linkin Park concert. Um, and I went with my husband's best friend, Brandon. Um, my husband stayed home and watched the kids. And so Brandon had the car, and, you know, we packed up, went up to Tinley Park and saw it. And Brandon and I, like, Brandon would come over and we'd hang out, you know, like almost three times out of three, three nights a week, basically, because he lived around the corner of us. Um, but then, you know, when we went up to the concert, like with a time where like just he and I got to bond. And so we, you know, we actually really connected um, some of it over my husband, husband, some of it over, you know, the music. And then in 2016, he passed away. And that's actually um, one of the first things that started to clue me into it because he passed away at 9.50 at night. And around 9.40, I got this sharp pain in the back of my head. And like it, it wouldn't go away until like 9:50 hit, and I was like, <sighs> something happened. My husband was at the hospital with him, and, um, and my husband came home and told me when he passed, and I was like, it, it was it was just so bizarre to me because it's not like Brandon and I had a super like spiritual connection or anything, you know. I mean, he was a good friend of mine, but. I don't know like that that was just kind of like the first like oh my god I knew that you know like it wasn't a question like I knew that's what happened and then his uh his mother's birthday was the following January and a couple days before her birthday I had this like not I don't hear voices but <laughs> a voice in my head that was like make sure she knows I say happy birthday, make sure she knows, you know, and it was like just a, a constant, you know, like, and it's like, I didn't have to question who it was. I knew exactly that it, it was Brandon telling me he wanted me to tell his mom a happy birthday. And it was, just, that's something I've never really actually told my husband. Cause I don't think he's not too much of a believer and things like that, but you know, we actually live in Brandon's house right now. Like this is, this is his house. So we moved into his oh, house. Wow. Yeah. Like, and 
like we could sense him a couple times, you know, but it's, it, like we've lived here for three years now and it's not so much here anymore, but like the first night we were here, everybody was in the living room and like we were eating TV was off and everything. We were just talking and we heard somebody come down the hallway but nobody was there, but we have wooden floors. So it's like, it's easy to hear the creaks in it. It was, that was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> was that about like about the only thing you've kind of noticed in the house yeah um I mean we could we could kind of tell like sometimes we kind of sense like oh yeah look, Brandon make that happen like you know if something fell we'd be like all right Brandon calm down but I don't I it wasn't like a time where I was like yep he's here like except for that one time with the, the coming down the hall thing mm-hmm <laughs> well, he was just letting you know that, you know, hey guys. Don't yeah. <laughs> like the party. <laughs> so uh on the topic of empath, uh, this was also mentioned in episode one. So when the pandemic happened, have you noticed a shift in kind of the world? Um, you know, I did feel a lot more tension. Um, I haven't, like, I am not able to go grocery shopping without headphones. Um, it's a very overwhelming experience for me. Um, if I go, even if I'm not interacting with people, I feel like I absorb it there. And it's not like if I go like clothes shopping, like I get it the same way. It's, it's like specifically grocery shopping. I don't know what the fuck it is about it. <laughs> But like, you know, there's times when like, uh, you know, I would go and, you know, like Chloe would want to come with me. And, you know, it's like, I'm just like twice as, twice as stressed out, you know, if it's, if I can't have my headphones in with it. Um, but my point in saying that is that didn't start until last year. And that could be because there's so much animosity in the grocery store. Everybody's touching everything, you know, and I didn't really go other places besides that. My husband also has diabetes, so I didn't, I didn't risk it, you know, right. if I didn't have to. But, um, you know, I always wondered if it was just because that, you know, there's so many people in one place trying to do the same thing and aggravated that everybody's touching everything and aggravated that some people weren't wearing masks and some people were. You know, and it was just, it was a different level of anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that would be, it. I mean, just, just realizing the different emotions that were there that weren't there before. Yeah. You know, it was just so weird to me that like, I couldn't do it, especially because I told you my anxiety went down so much after mm -hmm. I moved out from my mom that, you know, something like that would bring it back. And it was just, it was interesting. No, it's funny that you mentioned that about the grocery store thing, because uh, that started happening to me, too, last year uh, after the pandemic. And it wasn't so much that I would go into town and, you know, like I I guess I wasn't nearly as like on edge about it as a lot of other people were. So I didn't really care if there were a whole bunch of people in stores. I didn't care like who was maskless, who wasn't. I just wanted to get my crap and leave. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But there was so I work at a Barnes and Noble. I'm the cafe manager there. And 
there was like a, there was about a two day window where, so I have this regular guy that used to come in all the time and little old man, sweet as can be the cutest little thing. And he would come in every day and he'd get a coffee and he'd get like a cookie or something. And he like kind of walked with a hunch and he had to have at least been in his Mm eighties and the poor guy fell asleep in his car and the police came and they tried taking him on a stretcher. And so he came in the next day and he was telling me about it because I saw like the ambulance there and the cops there. And I saw him and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, what are they doing? Like they were going to arrest him and everything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause they thought that he like passed out from drugs or something. And he's like, he told him, he's like, no, I'm just, I'm old, you know, I fell asleep <laughs> in my car. And so he, you know, he's telling me this story and all of a sudden, like, I start crying and I think in my head to myself, like it's the end of the world. And I'm like, hold up. That's weird. Why would I think that? Like, I never have thoughts like that, you know, just completely random. It's the end of the world. Very next day, bam, pandemic happened. Oh my God. And I'm like, all right, this isn't cool. This is not cool. (laughs) And in episode, in, in the episode, I was talking with Michael and Vicky, when I said that I felt like a shift in the universe, like that's what my shift was. Mm-hmm. And I told, I can't remember if I told my brother or my mom, I told my brother about it. And my brother used to be the most hardcore atheist you would ever meet in your entire life. And he was a heroin addict for, you know, a, a while. And now he's been, he's been clean for like five or six years, but he, he found Jesus And he's extremely, extremely religious now, which is beautiful. It's made him so happy. It brings him comfort. And he definitely still respects my alternative beliefs, which is great. But I told him about this and I'm like, dude, like, what if it really is like the end of the world? Like, what if something is going to happen? And he's like, I don't think you had a premonition of an actual like destruction of earth and life. He said, I think you had a premonition of a spiritual breakdown and a spiritual uplifting because the one, yeah. Oh, it was like, just like mind blown. Yeah. And because, I mean, I'm legitimately over here thinking like, holy crap, we're all going to die. And and I'm like, why does it look on the bright side? Nice. (laughs) Well, when you, when you don't have thoughts like that and it just comes out of nowhere because some guy fell asleep in his car Right. And I'm like, this is so weird for me. Like, what is this? And, and like you said, and and that's when my anxiety started really bad too. And I don't know if it's because we all had to kind of like, like how Vicky mentioned in episode one, stay socially distanced from people. Mm -hmm. And to me, like physical touch is so important, like having hugs and being around other people's energies. And I think at that point, everybody's energy they were just all over the place. Like some people were freaked out. Some people were, you know, saying like, this is a bunch of crap. Other people were just kind of like, eh, whatever. And every time I would go out in public, I would just like with me and Cole would go grocery shopping. I would just have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And I'm like, and he would just be like, why are you so stressed? And I said, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I said, I just don't want to be around people. I don't want people touching me. I don't want people looking at me. Like, I just want to go home. Yeah. You know, and I never used to be that way ever. 
like I used to love going out and going shopping. I love going to big cities and all that. And I'm just like, no, I can't stand being around people. Yeah. And it's gotten a little bit better, but I still notice that if I'm in like a large crowd, I can't be there for very long. Hmm. Even now? Even now. Yeah. I can last a lot longer than I did, you know, last year, but it's still every once in a while. Um, We went somewhere. I can't remember where we went, but I did tell Cole, I was like, we have to go. Like, we need to go home. I just can't. I just can't be out in public right now. Mm -hmm. So. Do you find him to be sort of like your, I'm sure there's a word for this, but I don't really know what it's called, um, but like your, your grounding. Oh, absolutely. Aspect, I guess. Yes, absolutely. I think he's like at the moment, one of the very few people who can calm me down. Mm-hmm. And it's just because he's so, he's so laid back and he's so just chill about everything. And anytime anything drastic happens, he just says, it'll be okay. It's going to be all right. And it's kind of become like a running joke between us. You know, like if he, if he's having a bad day and he says something like, oh, you know, well, this could go bad. And I'd be like, it's, it's going to be all right. You know? <laughs> I kind of like, just like to throw it back at him, you know, it's not what you always want to hear because you're like, well, what if it's not going to be okay? You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> but he definitely, he's definitely leading to my yang. That's for sure. Hmm. I've dated guys who were just as negative as I am and it just never worked out. Mm-hmm. You have two negatives. They don't make a positive. <laughs> so, right. Or do they, I don't remember science very well, <laughs> but no, he's math, but Oh, okay. Well, I, it all ties in. It all ties universe, in math yeah. and science. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a dumb barista. <laughs> I just know how to make drinks. Hey, you're the manager. Okay. Right. I run a business within a business. Yes. Karen's come to talk to you. (laughs) I love my regulars, though. They make life worthwhile. They make that job worthwhile. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've definitely noticed an increase in in energy with a lot of people. And also it's when you when you're at home for that long and you're sucked into social media because there's literally nothing else to do, and you just see everybody (sighs) going at each other. All time. And I'm sure that did not help a lot of people last year, you know, being Mm -hmm. locked in and everything. And, you know, I think we as a society, we weren't extremely prepared for social media, like emotionally and mentally. You know, we can get away with saying anything. And if you hurt somebody, you hurt somebody who cares. And it's such a terrible mindset to have. Right. Well, um, one of the things I just kind of thought about in um while you were speaking like one of the reasons i got into psychology at first i thought it was sociology that was driving me into it but i found that it was the psychology parts of sociology that i was enjoying um but basically i don't i understand things about psychology that i don't understand i understand like these things like i understand the depth and why and how you know a person thinks this way i can understand different outlooks and you know but i don't know the words for those i don't know the knowledge behind it and so i can sit here and talk about things like that but i sound dumb because i don't have the the correct words for it you know and that's one of the reasons why i went back to school um in 2015 actually um and you know started taking those classes because i was like 
I can use this to help people and learn learn how to help them rather than just doing it by intuition. And so that was like a big driving factor for me. But um, one of the things that I have sort of come to terms with and what kind of drove me to um, the paranormal side of what I kind of mentioned earlier is um, I don't think that I can help people in the sense of being with them. I absorb that too much and I empathize too much with how they're feeling. And I would take that home. Like, I know there's, you know, people learn not to do that, but I don't know if you can teach an empath not to do it. You know, it's, there's so many lines in like AFI and stuff like that. Like there's a, there's a line that says, teach me not to dream deeply. And I resonate with that so much because it's like, people don't understand that you feel something as an empath, you really feel it to the core. You connect with that. Like it doesn't just leave you and pass. Like, I mean, yeah, you can teach yourself to do that, but there are some things to stick with you. You know, like there are deaths of people that I don't even know that have affected my life. You know, um, when I was in uh, freshman year of high school, I wrote a poem about a guy who lived in Texas. I believe it was Texas, but a while since I researched him. But um, he lives in Texas. He was a punk, you know. And so, you know, he was in high school. He didn't get along with the jock clique, you know, and they were hanging out in a, a parking lot and he was ran over by a jock. And you know, like there were articles about the family. Like I, like I got into his story. And I know what case you're talking about. Brian Denicky or Denny. yeah, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I, I wrote a poem about it, and uh, like it's just it. I mean, I can write. You know, I'm a writer. You know, you're a writer, and I know that there are some things that they just naturally flow out of you. But then there's things that it takes you months to write and this thing i wrote it in like 10 minutes probably like seven verses long like words that i have never spoken about you know other people like i felt that thing flow out of me and i went and turned it into my teacher and she said do you even know what half these words mean (laughs) 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 but yeah like i i remember that a lot like but even then, like, that wasn't something that kind of made me think, oh, maybe you are a little bit different. <laughs> no. Nope. But looking back on it, it was definitely a moment. Well, there's nothing wrong with being different either. So, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of artists are empaths. I believe a lot of uh, therapists at some point may have been empaths. But like you said, sometimes you have to cut that part off of you in that that field so oh i took a class on um crisis intervention i was really interested in that because you know it's something where you're truly involved in that moment with that person you know they are currently going through a crisis that they can't handle and you are there to help them move through that and i thought that that was going to be my calling and then i was like but again I can't, I can't absorb that. I don't see that being a good thing for me. Um, 
But so that is kind of what's led me into thinking about being somewhat of a paranormal psychologist or um, something to that sense. I mean, it's not really a thing at the moment. Like I, um, I but it kind of is. It's funny that you're saying this because I, I have an interview tomorrow with um, a lady, and I don't want to give too much of it away. Mm-hmm. We met by coincidence because she's actually from Florida and she just happened to walk into my cafe and there's a story behind it, but we were just like meant to meet. Mm-hmm. And what you want to do is what she kind of does. Really? Yeah. Um, again, without giving too much of it away, because her episode will be after yours. Mm-hmm. From what I remember and what I understand, her job her career is she goes and travels around the United States and meets with people who have mental illnesses or anger, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's her job to determine whether this person is this way because of a attachment, like a spiritual attachment Mm -hmm. or because it's a chemical imbalance or trauma. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't know such a thing existed either. So I am really looking forward to talking to her in more depth because I'm like, holy, pardon my language here, but holy shit. Yeah. I was like blown away when she told me this because I'm like, if I would have known this was a thing, I would have went to school for this like decades ago. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know if I could still work with like the the, um, people themselves. Maybe I could because it'd be like a, you know, just a short term thing it wouldn't be me being their treatment necessarily, unless it went the spiritual side. But my um, initial thought about it was to, you know, go to places that are known to be haunted, like, you know, and just help them. I mean, yes, you've got your residual energy and things like that. You know, that, that I don't really think um, could be cleansed or should be cleansed really. But I mean, it depends on what's going on there, but, um, you know, like helping like the spirits of, you know, like victims, you know, or things like that, who their spirit is stuck in this realm. They didn't know what happened to them, but they still don't know what happened to them and help them to learn and be able to accept that and move on. Um, which I just hope that doesn't cross too much into mediumism, but, I don't know. I guess if I teamed with a medium, it would help a lot. (laughs) Well, I don't think you necessarily have to be a medium in order to sense spirits um, or to even see them. Like I know for a fact that I have a thing that lives in my house. Mm -hmm. Other people have seen it. We've tried getting rid of it multiple times. Uh, We did get rid of it at one point and then a different thing came back to replace it. Oh, yeah. And uh, (laughs) and it's not like I ever really had a lot of activity in my house. It was just a feeling. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have this one room and this one room just always felt off to me. And every time I would walk by it or go into it, I just like get an instant headache. I would start to feel sick if I there was one instance where I had to sleep in there and I woke up with the most terrible migraine ever and in the worst mood ever, like completely polar opposite of how I usually am. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, no, there's something in this room. And the guy I was dating at the time who 
was a religious leader, um, basically called bullshit on me and was like, no, you know, you're just in this house by yourself. You're just being paranoid, blah, blah, blah. So we were like leaving the house and he could see that ironic. I know. (laughs) Trust me. We're not going to get that subject, but right. (laughs) And so we're leaving the house and like, you can see like my kitchen windows and we had a light on and he said that he saw a shadow move across those two windows. And I'm like, I freaking told you like, this isn't something that I want to see or to feel or whatever. I was like, there's something in this house, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is supposed to be my safe zone. Like, I don't want something in here, but if there's something in here, there's something in here. Right. So I've learned to kind of just live with it. Honestly, I went into that room and I took it over and I made it into like my own little studio. And I'm like, you know, you're here and I'm here. So we're just going to learn to get along just as long as you stop giving me nightmares. You stay out of my room. You stay out of the rest of the house. You just chill in this room. We're good. And I haven't really had any issues. Like I can still sense it. Yeah. You know, but I don't consider myself any type of psychic or whatever medium. Sometimes you just feel things and you just Mm -hmm. know you know, if your body reacts to something instantly that's out of your energetic field, you're like, nope, yep, there's something here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just one of the things. I'm still so, um, I don't have, you know, all of the, the knowledge. I haven't done, you know, like research on myself. Like I haven't worked with anyone to really develop my ability or anything. Um, it's just, you know, I know what I know. I know what I feel. and you know, people can believe me or not, but it's there, you know, and finding that out. I mean, I've always done a lot of like inner work with myself. I have come a long way. Um, but even like in high school, I was doing inner work, but it wasn't because of the impact. It's just, that's just the kind of person I was, I guess, like based on, you know, my childhood experiences and and my my mother was married four no three times. Hold on, let me count. This is four like times the negative and negative thing. See, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, she was she married four times. Three of the four were not great. Um, and like it's just it's I went through a bunch of things that just made me stand back and evaluate. Like this isn't what life is supposed to be. You know, and so I, I just, I really, as a person, you know, grew from that and learned the way that I wanted to be and became my own person rather than repeating that cycle, which I could have easily done because she and I are very similar in many ways. Um, and we were very close for a while, but, you know, then we just, you know, I started my own life and she didn't accept it. And here we are. Now we don't talk. Do you do you ever think that maybe you can kind of like reconcile down the road, or is just kind of one of those things where you've moved on and accepted it? Yeah, I mean, because she, my husband had a son before we were married, and um, once I had my daughter, it was just very clear that she saw my family as myself and my daughter and not myself, my daughter, my husband, my son, my husband and my son weren't part of her reality of my family. And it didn't matter 
what I tried to do to include them or how much I, you know, I mean, all four of us lived with her at one point and, you know, she just, it was just a refusal for her. And I think it was just her repeating her own relationship patterns, trying to um, brainwash is a strong word, but trying to create something to make her comfortable rather than seeing my life as it was. Mm-hmm. She was projecting her problems onto my I husband. Oh, onto him. Oh, okay. Yeah, like she would, I would, I would make like a, oh, Mark did this again. She'd be like, well, you know, you should do about that kind of thing. And I'm just like, regular people thing. Like making mistakes is part of life. Right. You can't belittle him the way you belittled all your husbands and try to make me think that that's a normal thing. Like I understand what love is. I understand how to how a functional relationship works because I saw your dysfunctional relationships. <clears throat> so I think we're getting a little off topic here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that's basically kind of what happened. And no, I mean she's living her life. I'm living my life. We're in such a better place. I, I don't see why I should go back and open that up. Yeah, I understand. That's mm-hmm. definitely that. It's one of those things where it's you either become your parents or you learn from your parents, you know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as, as an empath in the field that you're going into eventually for, for uh, your career, are you afraid of kind of carrying the emotions from the people you'll be, you'll be working with and taking it home with you and. Cause some of it can be, I mean, that's, that's like a heavy, whether you're an empath or not, it's such a heavy field. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, I don't think that it would be as extreme if I were to be doing it with spirits than if I were doing it with like human beings. They feel like with a human being, you are intervening with someone who's still living their life, who still has things to experience you know you still have things to learn and develop and you know you you're it's still a spirit but i believe it's like it's a different mindset because they're not in the spiritual world they're not connected with those things where you know, humans i guess thinking on a different level that they're worried about worldly things whereas like if i were helping a spirit i picture like Something that I would be involved in would be a spirit who is lost and confused and still thinks they're living, but just can't move on because either, you know, they don't know what happened to them or can't accept what happened to them or they have a message that they are trying so desperately to get, but don't know how to get it out, you know, and that would be more so my my way of doing it because I I would have the knowledge with my you know psychological background, but I would also have the empathic connection to understand what they're feeling and be able to help to have the skills to talk them through it. Whereas you know a, a medium might have the skills to talk them through it, but it doesn't have that training. I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I get what you're saying. So what, what made you want to go into this? 
Hmm. Um, well, I've always been a big fan of ghost adventures. Uh, <laughs> 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 and, you know, paranormal stuff just like really fascinates me. Like the unexplained and how people, like some people don't believe, but then a non-believer can be made a believer with one experience. Like things like that is you know, what draws me to it. It's like, there's something there that's going on that nobody can manage to really pin down. And so that's why I want to kind of use that training to go in to try to, I don't want to say solve things like that, but to discover things like that and document it and make it, make it a thing so that it can be studied and, you know, it can be understood but then kind of also run the risk of, you know, kind of like a song, like someone puts a song out there and it's got meaning, but everyone else has meaning with it. They have their own meanings to it, but people will just break it down, break it down. And then it just, it means nothing, you know? So that's all what I'm worried about. Like, but I feel like it's such a big topic and such a different way of looking at it that it would really bring value to the research on it and really help I mean all kinds of things like it can help with people experiencing death people losing people um even especially with suicide um you know giving families the answers to um help them move on help them to grieve and help them to know that this person is no longer in pain and the fact that, you know, they were in so much pain that they felt that that was a choice. And then to really help them, those family members to understand that, you know, or at least give them an answer if the spirit wants to something like that. Like, I think that's really, um, when I took that anthropology class, that's one of the things that really uh, started to scare me in that direction. Um, you know, and then I got into, a little bit of photography and then I went on that uh, ghost tour back in November, brought my camera with me and I didn't catch anything on my camera, but we did get some activity and that was really cool. They give you the little readers, like the energy readers and all that. They did have them, um, but they were using flashlights and they would put it like on like the fire mant- fireplace mantle, you know, and just let it be. And it would like flash to answer questions and stuff. It was really cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And where was that at? Um, it was called the Butler Turban House. Um, it's out past Buckner in Kentucky. Um, it's it's had like a whole lineage of family. Like, you know, they've got like the um, the servant's house out, outside. Um, they had a, its own cemetery on the land. Um, you know, he, um, they had all the original furniture. Um, it was yeah, there was a whole bunch of like a bunch of the men in the family, um, you know, fought in the Civil War. Um, they gave like the whole like history of, um, you know, who married who and whose kids went off and did this. And like it was, it was really interesting. It's, yeah, you can tell I remember the details really well, but <laughs> <laughs> I was there for my own experience. Yeah, not really the details. Oh, I would, I would eventually love to just get a whole bunch of people and go on like a ghost tour somewhere and kind of record our experiences on that. Well, we have the, the uh, Waverly Hills here in Kentucky. I haven't been there yet. Ooh, we could do that. I'm trying to think, I don't think Ohio does any, um, which is weird because 
this is such a haunted state. But the tour you were talking about, it reminds me of the one I went to in Florida. Uh, it's in St. Augustine. And St. Augustine is one of the oldest cities in America. And it is such a beautiful place. Uh, I hated Florida with a pat. I still hate Florida with a passion. <laughs> you couldn't pay me six figures a year to live there again. Um, but St. Augustine holds such a special like place in my heart. All the roads were still cobblestone. It had the Spanish moss, oh, wow. had the lighthouse, and all of the buildings were original buildings. Uh, it was just like you didn't know you were in Florida. It was just so beautiful. Mm. And they they had the the tours there too. I went one time with uh, me and my boyfriend at the time, and then I went again when my dad came to Florida to visit. And he kind of laughed like with the whole ghost tour thing. Like he did not take it seriously at all. And I'm over here like, did you see that? Did you feel that? Oh my gosh, what was that? You know, and he's just <laughs> over here like, okay, okay. You know, and I'm like, well, I can tell my dad's not a believer, but that's fine. Um, but I don't really remember a whole lot of activity for myself either when I did that. I know that there was a, we were in, so they have the Ripley's theater there or the Ripley's building. And it used to be, I think it belonged to, I don't know, some rich couple, naturally, originally. And there was a woman that died in there. And I, I think she was murdered. And as they were telling that story, like there was like this huge, like cold thing that happened down my arm. And I'm, I think that's about as most as I discovered. But the people that give the tours there were saying that like ghost hunters have come into the Ripley's because the Ripley's was the most haunted building in that mm -hmm. area. And there was one room where like a bunch of kids died or something. And that was the room that had the most activity. I'd mm -hmm. have to research it. Cause yeah, as you can tell, I don't remember a whole lot from that either. <laughs> but this was also like five or six years ago. It's been a long time, but that's the one thing I always recommend to a lot of people who are into ghost hunting and stuff. I'm like, man, go to St. Augustine, Florida. You will not be disappointed. They have like the old forts there. Um, a part of Pirates of the Caribbean was was filmed there, but they keep the forts in the graveyard open all night long. So you can go wow. on the forts and everything and they won't. Most places you go to graveyards and they're like, no, you got to get out after dark. Mm -hmm. This is all like open for fun. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a really, it's a really beautiful city. So let's talk about karma because that's right. your favorite. Yeah. You're like, yes, let's talk about karma. I love karma. Um, okay. Well, as I said, you know, I, I do have knowledge on religions. I, you know, um, after Catholic elementary school, you know, my mom had us attend a Catholic, uh, Christian church for a little bit still never really resonated with me and then you know as I started doing my inner growth which eventually you know would have been my spiritual growth um I started just really appreciating the balance and like appreciating positivity and realizing how big of a difference it makes in your way of thinking and things you put out into the world affects everything it's not like let's use my mom as an example she always had a negative outlook on things you know she would you know not that she could never be happy and it's never like had enjoyable moments you know like i said she and i were very close but 
I just never couldn't get behind her way of thinking. When I was younger, I didn't really think about it in, in a way of positive and negative. I guess it was just more like, why does it have, why did your outlook have to be like that? You know, why couldn't it be possible for a situation to work out or something like that? But in her situations, they never did work out positively. So then when I started living on my own, you know, I realized that not as naturally as I do it now, but it was sort of natural thing to for me to look on the bright side of things and to, you know, embrace that, you know, well, life happens. If something negative happens, you deal with it and move on. Like your life doesn't have to stay with that. You know, your life doesn't have to stop there. You know, everything that you're experiencing is a learning point in your life. You know, and what you're experiencing now is only going to help you later in life. So that kind of like made me uh, start to switch my thinking and think more positively and realize that the negative experiences are there for you to make a choice. In that moment, you can look at that choice and think, my life's over. This sucks. Or you can look at it like, what can I do to move past this? Why is this happening? What is it that I need to learn? What is it that I'm missing that I'm just too blind or too negative to see the point? And that's kind of what led me to the karmatic balance of the universe because everything's so connected. And the way that you choose to look at life and the way you choose to balance your karmatic balance is just, I mean, it's, it affects every day. You know, I mean, I go into work, it's not my favorite thing to do. But my job is kind of repetitive at the point. I could go in and be like, God, I hate my job. And just like, I could have a horrible day. But instead, I choose to look at it like, I'm doing this for my family. My family means everything to me. And this is what I have to do to make the family wheel turn. We are a, we're a unit. Each family is a unit. And that's how I look at the progress of our family. I mean, that's how Mark and I have been so successful in our marriage is realizing that we're not just one person. Like our, our family relies on everyone and we don't all work together then it doesn't work. And that's kind of how karma steps in. Talk about it with my kids. If, like I said, I, uh, I feel that karma's got my back. I feel that karma um, lets my husband know when he's fucked up. And <laughs> <laughs> so for, for instance, we were uh, grocery shopping, just my husband and I. We were going back to the car with the cart. And we were unloading the cart and he made a, a smart-ass comment. And I looked at him and like, you're going to regret that. And he turned around and like jammed his shin into the cart. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's just little things like that. But, but the time span, is just uncanny. Like, there's just no other explanation. Karma just got you. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I don't know. It's just something, I don't know if it's my empathic spirit or what it is i just feel a very strong connection to karma and just i feel like that is sort of what 
empowers my gift and my ability to sense things because it's not just what you're doing for yourself, but also understanding how other people are living and their way of thinking and how that affects what's going on, not just in your brain, but also in their life. I feel like I fast about that. <laughs> oh, you're very passionate about karma as you should be. I feel like, um, are you, are you aware of uh, the law of attraction at all? I mean, obviously I know of it, but no. So I think um, definitely, you're definitely a huge believer in karma, but also there's a little bit of law of attraction in what you just told me as well. So the law of attraction is, we just, I discussed this with Stephanie. Um, so whatever you put out, whatever energy you put out into the universe is going to come back to you. So like when you're saying, you know, oh, I could go into work and be like, you know what, my job sucks. I'm going to have a terrible day. And then you're going to have a terrible day because that is the energy that you were projecting. Mm -hmm. So the uh, humans, uh, animals, earth, everything around us works off, works off of energy. We feed off of energy from all around us. So that's basically what the law of attraction is. Um, it's manifesting for the most part. And it's, it's one of those, when you first learn about it, it's kind of a slap in the face because you realize that a lot of your, uh, I guess, like downfalls in your personal life were your fault. And you, nobody wants to admit that, you know, right. they don't want to, we don't like to, we like to play the victim mm -hmm. instead of taking responsibility. And when you first learn about the law of attraction, the first thing that they teach you is, Hey, you know, all that bad crap that keeps happening to you that's your fault. <laughs> and you're like, well, I didn't ask for this to happen. It's like, well, you kind of did because that mm -hmm. is the energy that you put out into the universe. So that's what the universe is going to give you. And it's just a very interesting concept to kind of live by. I try to follow the law of attraction as much as possible because I don't want it, you know, like a lot of bad crap to happen to me. I don't want an, a negative oh, no? perspective on life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm not saying that the law of attraction is the answer for everything, you know, you can't like stop somebody close to you from dying or getting hurt or, you know, mm -hmm. it, but how you deal with, with it is where that comes in. So, but yeah, I definitely believe in, in the balance of yeah, karma. Maybe I'm mixing it up a little bit, um, but I do feel they can be similar. They're, um, they're very similar, honestly, because, you know, it's, it's all a balancing act. It's just mm -hmm. one of them is more of you controlling the balance. And then the other is the universe taking care of the balance for you. Just kind right. of an oxymoron, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's the universe does its own thing too. But that's, I guess that's kind of um, where my belief lies. So it's like, not that I do bad things, but I don't actively do necessarily good things either. I mean, I, I am very conscious of the way I think. Um, and I'm conscious of, you know, the conversations that go on in my house and like the outlooks that they, they, my kids and my husband have, and, you know, I try to help them to think more positively and for themselves. But I also feel like a lot of that is out of my control. The good things that happen to me aren't things that I've been looking for. My, my marriage being as strong as it is, that's on me. Because I do the work, my husband does the work, things like that. But like, if some outside thing, you know, I win the lottery, something like that, I didn't do that. I I may have played play the game, but I didn't bring that to me. 
you know, that's, I guess, luck. And I don't really believe in luck so much. I believe that. Yeah, I think luck is people confuse luck with uh, gifts <laughs> mm, <laughs> or yeah. like uh a blueprint, I guess. I do believe that because of reincarnation, like my belief in reincarnation, that everything that we go through in our lives, we chose that like before we were born. This is actually a, oh, I'm trying to think of, of her name. She was this huge psychic like back in the 90s. Oh, I and her name is just like lost on me right now. Um, but she was always on like Mari and... Uh, but anyway, she she wrote a whole bunch of books and she explained that like we have a blueprint of our lives before we enter it and we choose every single tiny detail right down to the very last millisecond uh, down to our DNA, how we look, how we sound, the experiences, our family to mm-hmm. learn to learn lessons. And I thought that was really interesting. And I read these books when I was like 14 and I'm 32 now. So and I, still, <laughs> I still, I can't remember the author's name, but I remember reading about that. And I always thought that was really interesting. One of those okay. things where like, you kind of like, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I wouldn't really, I guess it's kind of like deja vu, but you can almost see the future for about like 30 seconds before it happens. Mm-hmm. It happens to me all the time. And then uh, And I just always come back to that whole blueprint theory because I'm like, maybe, maybe I did choose my life and that's why deja vu happens Mm -hmm. or is deja vu like the simulation? I don't know, but either way, it's interesting. Right. Yeah. I have thought of that. Um, Although, I mean, I didn't really consider it as a, a personal choice, but as in like your life is already set. It doesn't matter how many weird choices you make that you find are weird. It's already expected. That is already, it's all planned out. I don't, I still don't know if I really believe that because of like just some situations that have happened or. Yeah. Like believing in something like that means also believing you have no power to change your course in life. And I just have a hard time accepting that in particular because if you don't mind me mentioning it, let, let's take a drug addict, you know, for example, like they choose to stop. You know, that is a that is a commitment that you have yeah. to make. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I I just can't but really see maybe believe. in the blueprint you knew that you're gonna tell yourself to stop. This is this is why see? we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah i don't know like that would that would be like a whole podcast right there oh absolutely episode sylvia Sylvia brown that's her name Uh, she may have been a little bit quacky but man some of the stuff she said i was like girl i feel you like i get it yeah Uh, yeah, i just remembered now it came back to me no i i can definitely see your point on that to where you know if everything's mapped out, then we have no control. But if you look at it from a different perspective, you, when you were making the blueprint, that was your control. That was your power. So it can definitely go like both ways, which is great. And again, like I said, that's why we're here to kind of discuss Mm -hmm. these things and to learn. Well, And yeah, I mean, but that also puts you in a spot of, well, when you were making that blueprint, how did you know that in that point in your life, you were going to be ready to make that decision? 
where you were going to be Ooh. ready to take on that situation. Well, if you're mapping it all out to the very last detail, I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm still on the fence about it too. Like, I'm not saying I'm a wholehearted believer in it, but I, I also at the same time think it's a very interesting theory and something that's, that's just really stuck with me over the last, you know, 15 years or so. Yeah. You know, for something that I read over maybe like once (laughs) and it kind of stuck with me. So it must've stood out for a reason. And but that's where we we come back to karma also with um, past lives and equaling out karma. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I'm a huge fan of the karma. Well, you mentioned her as a woman, the karma girl myself. Oh, you have a tattoo of karma. Nice. <laughs> I later found out that that's actually a brand design. But oh, Yes, but I really like it because the K is like a staff and then the M is like the own symbol. Yeah. So I really like it. So I was just like, you know what? I accept it. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) This is like when you go in for a Chinese tattoo and you think it means like, you know, one thing and then you find out that it means like pot sticker. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. <laughs> well, I made that choice. There it is. But at least it at least it says karma and who's really going to know that it's like a a brand. Right. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Like I oh, I great. made this myself. <laughs> <laughs> they stole from me and I want yeah. to and I want my money. Yes. <laughs> they stole my <laughs> karma brand. <laughs> so tell me about your daughter and her ghost friend. Um my daughter is 9. She has, for her short life, she's experienced quite a lot of loss. Brandon, as I mentioned earlier, um, he was really close with my family. Um, Like he was my husband's childhood best friend from kindergarten. They grew up, you know, around the corner from each other and were still friends up until he passed when he was 27. So, you know, naturally he was my children's godfather. Not my choice of words. Mark chose that. Um, and he would, you know, come over, he spend a lot of time with the kids that he'd go to the movies with the kids. Like he wasn't like that responsible adult who like, I could rely on him to you know take care of my children, but he would be part of family things. So both of my kids were very attached to him. That was, I believe that was her first major loss. And then my husband's mother passed away I want to say three years ago on New Year's Eve and they were very close with her they would go over and spend a night on the weekends like at least every other weekend I was always really confused about her situation but she had been um disabled from I'm my husband was like 13 um she had a brain tumor and then they took it out but then I guess whatever like however the surgery went made it so that she couldn't work. She became a handicapped. And my husband's father was also handicapped because he was hit by a semi-truck when he was like 10, I think. So he's got like a whole middle leg from that. <laughs> but anyways, so, uh, so she passed away. My husband and his dad always kind of thought that she was like a pill addict. She didn't take care of herself. Uh, she just kind of sat on the couch and watched TV all day. And she was in and out of the hospital multiple times throughout years every year she was in there probably four times so when she passed it was kind of sudden because she you know she just laid down to sleep and then just didn't wake up nobody 
kind of anticipated it. And so my kids took it pretty hard. And shortly after that, my dog passed away. I had had her since I was 17. My kids had had them, had her in their life, their whole lives um, until 18. Yes, because it was literally a day before Chester's one year anniversary. Okay. And uh, she just passed away in front of them, actually. Um, I was at work. So that was kind of, you know, it was really upsetting for them. So anyways, my point is she's had a lot of loss. And so I feel like it's kind of natural that she would be open to a spirit and almost potentially attract a spirit to be around her. Um, but she says she has a spirit named Emily that lives in her closet. Today, we actually talked about it in her therapy session. Uh, I learned some new things. Uh, she thinks that Emily could be part demon. Uh, <laughs> she says that she uh, has potential to lose her sanity based on what she's been told, uh, that she's there to protect her. Interesting. That's- yeah, like that's, that's about really all I know about it. I mean, I've I've heard her talk about her. And she'll say like, "Oh, she's here." Or Emily did this, or you know, something like this. But I I had yet to experience it. So, so what makes her think that it? She said that she might be half demon. Yeah, but then she also threw out the theory that she's trying to earn her wings back, as if she's like a fallen angel. So I'm I'm not sure. Ooh, that's fascinating. So I'm not going on like, what belief you go on, like the fallen angels where they became demonic, like Mm -hmm. they were, you know, scorned from heaven. That's interesting. I need to talk to your. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She, I know she would love to talk to you because um, she has mentioned being interested in paganism as well. Um, and you're you're the only person I know currently who you know practices it. So I mentioned you to her, um, and then you know I mentioned her to her today about. Podcasts. I'm like kind of like borderline pagan, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I can definitely talk to her, and uh, we can work something out with that because I I want her to be taught correctly and not by people on TikTok. Right. I'm kind yeah. of salty when it comes to the whole TikTok thing. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I could do an entire podcast on that. I bet you could. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And I would make a lot of enemies, let me tell you. Um, so I just keep my thoughts to myself <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, but so, like, how do, you, how do you feel about her having, like, this, you know? Well, I was worried at first um, because my daughter has quite a bit of anxiety, which is the main reason why we started going to therapy. Um, we've only, this is like our third session. So, I mean, it's not like we've been going all along. But I thought it was interesting that her name is Emily, because that was my dog's name. And so at first I was like, like, maybe she's talking about like my dog's spirit. And then I'm like, well, maybe it is her spirit, but presenting a human form. So that was you know, we do have her ashes in the house. So I, I have some thoughts on it because like Chloe is not really a person who has such a vibrant imagination. It's not like she comes up with things out of like nowhere. Like she ever really had like imaginary friends growing up or anything? No. No. Huh. I mean, she has a lot of plushies, um, mm-hmm. you know, like stuffed animals. She names them, stuff like that. But it's Average not like kid she, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like but I mean, like. That. But it's not like she 
has ever been really emotionally attached to them either. And I've really only learned about this in the past like two months. So I'm still processing it yourself. Yeah. And understanding where it came from. And well, kids, I feel like kids are always a little bit more uh, vulnerable Mm. to spirits. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my goddaughters, oh my gosh, like uh, she's going, I think she has some real gifts. And especially if a child's lost a lot, and like you said, in such a short time span. And this probably would have, would Chester's passing would have kind of been grouped in there as well? Yeah. yeah so she I think she was very involved. Like she loved their music. She, yeah, she sings it all the time. Uh, she well, and, and I'm sure like her seeing you so upset too, you know, like she kind of probably picked up on that. Like, I know that like my God babies definitely picked up on, on my emotions at that time. Mm-hmm. And which is actually now that I think about it a little strange because that's when, uh, my friend started having activity in her apartment at the time mm-hmm. was around 2017 after after Chester passed away. So like, I'm sure having all those emotions running so high and uh, experiencing loss and children, they're, they're vulnerable, you know, and because they see the world differently than we do, they're not, they're not as judgy and they're Mm -hmm. not as skeptic. Mm -hmm. They're just kind of like, Oh, look at that thing over there. You know, like not really thinking anything of it. Just, oh, there's somebody standing next to me. There's somebody in my closet. There's somebody in my room. And they're not they're not going to be terrified of it because they're kids. Now, if you and I, you know, we looked into our closet and we saw a little girl with some wings and half demon face, we'd be like, holy shit. You know, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's a little different. Like, Cole, are you messing with the hologram again? You know, <laughs> so i think that yeah she she might just be gifted that's interesting because um speaking of uh the guy i was going to tell you about he is a descendant of shamans Ooh. and he oh Ooh. yeah you're gonna love my him. heart just like went into my throat <laughs> <laughs> you are gonna love him uh i can't believe i didn't think of him before but he is a very close friend or family. Uh, he also was a friend of Brandon's. And we visited him at the restaurant he works at in Lexington. And Chloe said to him that there is, I don't remember the exact words she said, but she said there's something bad here or negative presence. Or there's something to that effect. And he looked at me and he was like, your daughter knows. And I was like, See, it's been confirmed. So, wow. I yeah, I totally forgot about that until we were just talking about that. And I was like, "Darn, oh, it did say that." Like, so, you know. But in a way, it's like such a blessing for her to have a mother like you, who's not going to be like, "You're insane," you know, mm-hmm. or you need to go to more therapy because a lot of a lot of people are still warming up to this whole idea of uh, spirits and demons and everything else. And I think we as a society, as we've opened up a lot of portals over the last few years, there is some shady shit going on and (laughs) people just seeing like the most off the wall things like skeptics just seeing the most off the wall things. I am an avid listener of the confessionals podcast and 
some of the people that Tony brings on is like, I listen to these people and I'm like, holy crap, you know, like this is the stuff I was believing in five years ago and being told that I was stupid or whatever. And now all these skeptics are coming on and being like, um, yeah, I'm seeing stuff. And it's making me wonder like, okay, what did we open? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's insane to me, especially like the uprising popularity in Bigfoot, man, you would have said that five years ago and people would have been like, okay, you know, but now they're like, yeah, no, I, I saw, I saw the sass squatch. All right. I saw squatch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy to see how different the world is now compared to how it was when we were in high school, for example, you know, and in a way, it's kind of like, wow, well, this would have been nice, you know, in high school. Well, and that's the other thing is I don't know for sure that she is necessarily an empathic person. She's very emotionally sensitive. But I don't know if it's necessarily because of her surroundings, which is one of the reasons why I've been taking her to therapy, because I am very good with communication and I'm very level-headed. I don't, you know, I don't blow up, you know, it takes a lot to get me to that kind of point. You know, I am very open you know, I'm easy to talk to. We have conversations all the time, you know, talking about things. But when she gets wound up, it's like she doesn't hear me, you know. And so I've been taking her to kind of help con- control that and understand that she she can't sit there and like run it in her head. But that's what I did when I was a kid. Because, you know, I, I was quiet. I'd go in my room and I'd sit there and I'd run it through my brain. And I didn't have an outward reaction, but inside I was a mess. But because of my home life at the time, it wasn't, I didn't have that sort of dynamic or relationship with my mom at that time where I would have felt okay to come and talk to her about something like that or to feel like I could trust her with what I'm feeling inside. Mm-hmm which I think is what has really dominated my relationship with my kids because I don't ever want them to feel that the amount of work that I had to do to learn and understand that what I was feeling wasn't normal and how to overcome that and managing my own depression when I was in uh, my teenage years, I didn't go on antidepressant medicines until about three years ago. But I've always had it, mm-hmm. but I just knew how to manage it because I understood myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the things that I try to teach my kids. But it's different because, you know, they have a different family dynamic and they have things available to them that, you know, I don't I don't quite understand how they process things. I think it's also you don't want your to see your children suffer. You know, yeah, well, maybe (laughs) (laughs) because you actually are like a caring mom, you know, and you don't want to just blow off their anxieties and everything else, you know, as just like growing pains or whatever, like a lot of parents do, right? Well, it helps that you've been there, so yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, it's like the time we were growing up. 
It was so tender. Mental health wasn't what it is now. I mean, it wasn't right. looked at the way it is now. Yeah, we've come a long way with it. Yeah. Which is good. <laughs> we yeah. need it too. I mean, the American system with it is still... Dodgy? Oh, Shitty? <laughs> I mean, if you compare it with the way, like, across the pond, how they deal with it. I mean, they take people with Alzheimer's and put them in a community home, like, with, like, not, like, a community of Alzheimer's patients, but with just everyday people, and they learn to adapt and to do things to improve, you know, their day-to-day life. I mean, they can't necessarily cure the disease, but they're living better lives than what American patients are living. Yeah. Yeah. We still have, we still have some developments for sure, but at least the overall like outlook on it has gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. So at least we have that going for us right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier to reach out to people now when yeah. it comes to it. And sometimes I guess all we can do is rely on each other instead of going to a doctor and hoping they can help you. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. instead of just trying to make money off of you. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm glad that she, your daughter has a mother like you. It sounds like you're doing a great job with her. And Thank uh, you. sounds like you have a bit of a gifted child there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see like the next few years. I'm just sort of like, I don't know what to expect, but whatever comes, there it is. And we'll what? we'll handle it when we get there. <laughs> She's not scared of, of Emily, is she? Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Then I wouldn't really, at least yet, not really worry about it. The demonic thing kind of makes me a little nervous. Yeah. But- and she hadn't really mentioned that before today. Um, but then when she went into the, you know, she's trying to earn her wings back kind of thing. That yeah. was sort of like, that's an interesting aspect to it. So, because yeah. a lot of times, like demonic, uh, I guess, entities at first appear as either someone or something that you trust before they make their like real appearance. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to gain your trust and all that. Not trying to freak you out or anything. No, like, no, I, you know, I know. <laughs> just from what like uh, other people have, you know, told me and things that I've I've looked into, and which is why, like, when you try to connect to, um, and this is why I get so nervous with some people when you try to connect to, like, I'm a big belief in in the angels. If you try to connect with, like, I always I always connect with Michael whenever I'm doing meditation or just my everyday life or whatever. And I have to be extremely, extremely careful about it because there are demonic creatures or entities that can look like, feel like, sound like whatever that angel is in your mind, because we all see them differently and bad things happen. So when I see like people trying to connect with certain gods and goddesses or even demons, because I do know some people who are more into demonology, which is I guess okay as long as you're not being an idiot about it. Right. But on the other hand, I'm like, you're trying to connect with demons. So let's say that you connect with a demon and then you don't know how to close that connection. That demon is out here just in the world doing its own thing. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you let them out. I, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this is not good. Like, come on, guys, do your 
do your research, know your stuff before you do your stuff. That's what I've been saying. Like throughout this podcast is know your stuff before you do your stuff. Yeah. We, there is, I, I know this story about, uh, it's, it's a close friend of mine. I'm not going to give names or whatever, but she met this, this like 13 year old boy. And he said that he caught a demon and he had it in a jar. And so we're like, well, what did you do with the jar? I buried it. Well, where did you bury it? I have no idea. And I'm like, oh, "Oh, no. Okay. Well, I'm a big believer in jars. That's, that's a great step, but you don't know where the jar is. Like, that's not good. Oh my (laughs) God. You just went and done pissed off this demon, first of all, and now it's stuck in this jar. (laughs) 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 And secondly, like what, let's say that like somebody is like, going to dig up that jar and they're just like, Hey, there's this jar and they break the jar. And then all the scenarios going through our heads at the time, we're just like, Oh my gosh. Like what now? Like we need to find this jar. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories though. Cause I'm just like, so it's so funny, but at the same time, I'm so terrified. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and this well, actually funny. I had another, um, thought um when you mentioned about medication i've tried meditation um i wouldn't say that i'm not good at it but my version of meditation is a little bit different like my i i think and i don't know because obviously it's from before but um i used to be like a big daydreamer i would just sit in class and just i'd be lost in my own brain like thinking like but it wasn't like you know, I'm dreaming about a boy or I'm dreaming about, you know, what I'm going to do for dinner. Like, it, it's like, it was just thoughts in my brain. And I would just like listen and uh, make sense of it in like all, all day long. And so I feel like that sort of uh, was leading up to like my spiritual growth. However, when I tried to meditate, so late in bed, I had some soothing music going and I just like shut my eyes and let myself go. What I saw was I was on the ocean floor laying down and all of a sudden a bright light shone out of my, like where my third eye would be. And just like in the ocean, just lit up like that. And I woke up in the meditation, not, you know, and swam to get the surface. Yes. Um, so when I got to the surface, I was near an island, swam over to the island. And there was a, a man, almost was like what I would imagine as like an Indian guide. I walked over to him and I tried to, to speak with him, but he wouldn't talk to me. He was like, he would crouch down just like with a stick, like waiting it in the ocean. He refused to talk to me. And so I went back into the ocean and I woke up. And I spoke about this with Stephanie. Stephanie thought that that was a meeting with a spiritual guide that I wasn't quite ready. I was just about ready to tell you that I think you met your spiritual guide. But I I haven't tried to do that since. And, but the feeling that I got when that light shone, I could feel my body. Like it reacted. It was, I've never had that feeling before. Mm -hmm. It was insane. And that was after I discovered I was an empath. Like I've never had something like that happen before. So, but I forgot about it. You were speaking about meditation. Yeah. Meditation is, uh, 
you should try you should try to do it again and see if uh because i i honestly think you met your spiritual guide and that's kind of a rare thing for especially for somebody who's not looking for it you know you're just kind of going into like meditation blindly so that's interesting just make sure you're you're doing it correctly <laughs> 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 I can't help myself. It just like, things make me nervous. And I'll tell you, it's because like I've I've messed up too. You know what I mean? And yeah. I had like things attached to me because I was opening things without protecting myself because I was young and dumb and just thought like, oh well, cool. I'm just gonna, you know, like I'm not gonna cast a circle. I'm not gonna bind myself. I'm not going to, you know, do anything to protect myself. Especially be I had a I had a situation with meditation where I astral projected on accident. Oh my god. And because I've I've never it's never happened to me before. And it was like right when I was really getting into like my spiritual growth, like I was like right in the the meadow of it. And never really meditated before. This was probably like my third time meditating. And I felt myself leave my body. And it was the most terrifying thing I have ever been through. Because I kept uh, thinking in my head, like, I'm not going to be able to come back to my body. I'm I'm like, I'm, I can't return to my body. Mm-hmm. And like the, the things there that were protecting me were like, no, 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 it's okay. You're going to be fine. Like you're you're not going to drift away. You just got to, you got to keep going because the goal at that point was I was supposed to defeat something. Um, so like there was, I guess we'll call it a demon. I don't usually talk about this a whole lot because nobody ever believes me, but there was a demon there and I had the sword of Michael and the shield of Michael. And I was supposed to get rid of this demon and it's like staring me right in the face. I can still remember exactly what it looked like. It was blue. It had yellow and red eyes and it was just the most grotesque looking thing I've ever seen. And I was terrified and I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And it's like, no, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. And all I could think of was I'm outside of my body and I don't know how to return. Am I going to be able to return? That's all I could focus on. Yeah. Whereas like my guides were telling me like, Hey, there's this thing in front of you. You need to kill it. And I somehow just like snapped out of it. Like I, I just forced myself to wake up and I, I, I read on it later and how that is very dangerous to do, <laughs> like to just force yourself to come out of like an out of body experience. Yeah. And so I'm over here, like, I guess I can't really blame myself too much because of course I researched, you know, meditation before I did it. And, but on the other hand, I wasn't expecting to have an out-of-body experience because it's so rare for that to happen in your first few meditational like sessions mm-hmm. that it took me by complete surprise. And ever since then, this happened in, I think, 2000, I think it was 2017, 2016, somewhere around there. I have not been able to meditate since. Like I was scared to for a long time, so I just didn't do it. Yeah. But then I overcame the fear and then I tried getting back into meditation and I cannot reach meditation anymore. Mm. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. And I, I can't quite figure Like I've had Reiki sessions done on me and everything, and we still can't really figure out why that part of me is blocked. Yeah. 
but it was terrifying. <laughs> I, I, well, I can't imagine, but wow. <laughs> like there was a weight taken from me. Like it was crazy. I felt like I weighed nothing. It was, it was the coolest experience, but yet the most scary experience. Mm-hmm. So yeah. at least that didn't, at least you had a cool thing. Like you saw your spirit guide. <laughs> Whereas I'm over here floating around the room trying to kill this demon and I'm freaking out because I can't get back into my body, you know, <laughs> <laughs> live and learn, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was, sounds like you had, uh, you had a bigger job than I did. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> God knows what happened to the demon. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's in that jar. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is in the jar. <laughs> Oh, you know what? You're probably not wrong. Oh, everything happens for a reason. All right. As long as it's in the jar, we're good. I think I'll be okay as long as it's still in the jar. I hope nobody digs up that jar. All right, Jenny. Well, we're going to wrap up here. 